Gap Year Universe, I'm Margot Brookfield. And I'm Julia Rogers. Welcome to Gap Year Radio, the show that brings you information and inspiration to plan a life-changing Gap Year adventure. Welcome to season three of Gap Year Radio. We're really excited to be continuing in this process for our third round of episodes. And we figured there's no better way to launch our new season than to talk to three inventive people who launched super cool businesses as a direct result of their gap time. Yeah, it, these three people are so creative and I know that you're gonna love hearing from them. So we're gonna talk to Chris Cody, founder of PACA, uh, Annika Funk of Banana Backpacks, and Cecilia Polanco of So Good Papusas. So even though these three people did completely different things during their gap time, they all went on to found social enterprises. So Julia, do you wanna give us a little sneak peek into what these three people did? Sure, they're all unique and really, really interesting. So Chris, he spent his gap year in Peru where he bought a really comfy and cozy alpaca sweater, which caused him to learn more about how those sweaters are made and eventually to start PACA, which is a fair trade sweater company. Annika spent her gap time in Cambodia and she and her brother actually were trying to figure out how to come up with a better travel backpack. And so Banana Packpacks is, was founded as a result of that and a portion of their proceeds goes to supporting school children back in Cambodia. Cecilia, um, she is actually, from, her family is from El Salvador and she owns a food truck called So Good Papusas. And her pupusa um, extra money goes to, back towards a scholarship fund for undocumented college students, which is a really cool thing. Wow, that is, those are all three very inspirational. And I gotta say, pupusas are one of my personal favorites from my travels um, as far as foreign foods that I've tried along the way. So, um, and how cool that those proceeds are going back to such a worthy cause. I mean, that is just amazing. Yeah, it's great. Her tagline for So Good Papusas is a taste of El Salvador with a side of social justice, which I love. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, definitely. Wonderful. Well then, thank you all for being here and tuning in and let's get started. Can't wait. much for being on Gap Your Radio. How are you doing today? Julia, what's up? I'm I'm awesome. I'm with my new adopted dog that I just got in Cusco, Peru. Um, yeah, just, just uh, getting a little bit of work done with the weavers down here in Peru. Well, thanks again for being here. So one thing that I am really curious to hear about is the origin story of Paca Apparel, which is your company. And I understand that it originated on your gap year. So talk to me a little bit about what you did on your gap time and how that planted the seed for your business. Yeah, I I actually didn't, the idea didn't come to me while I was on my gap year, although definitely jumping into the water did and just like getting my, you know, really, you know, into South America and Peru and, and just immersing myself in uh, a lot of unknown things kind of started that and then um, as I continued on my travels and I got back to the states the idea began to form um, as I noticed this opportunity for alpaca wool which really didn't I realized exist um, in the United States but I I went to Europe first um, to work on a vineyard in Italy um, and that was through work away oh, cool. which is an awesome site. I actually still use, like, 
consider that if I ever want to go somewhere. It's an amazing way to, I don't, do, I mean, there are thousands of opportunities per country. And uh, that was like kind of the opening point for me into my gap year and just really like taking the next steps and, and following and finding my path. Um, but yeah, the, the taking the actual gap year in and of itself was a huge challenge. Um, I had to, I mean, the deal with my parents was that I had to get into college first and then defer admission. Uh, and then if I wanted to do this, I would have to pay for the whole thing. So when I went to Europe, you know, I was fully on my own for the first time. Um, I just gone through this, you know, my first love breakup and uh, it was it was just like quite a an experience of being thrown out into really the unknown. And I, I started meeting all these amazing people, learning about all of these just unreal opportunities. I actually left without telling my parents and went to Croatia for a mm-hmm. bit, um, and then ended up traveling through a lot of Europe before heading down to South America. Very cool. And how long were you in South America for? I flew into Bolivia to start and was working at this animal refuge. Uh, like this rehabilitation center for animals coming off the black market. Definitely check this out if you don't. It's called La Senda Verde. It's, uh, it was definitely one of the highlights of my gap year. And if anyone's looking to work with animals, it was just a very well catered experience. I met a lot of amazing people. And I actually was working with Cap- the Capuchin monkeys who are the smartest, you know, out of all of them, the ones you see in the movies, because you can <laughs> literally teach them to do anything. And when I was working with these monkeys, I, that's like actually when I gained a big interest in neuroscience. And that, I would say, is what, because I had no idea what I wanted to study in college. And that experience really helped me refine just like an overarching interest in science and what was going on in these monkeys' brains as I was, I was teaching them, you know, how to do, do things. So that was very cool. And then moving from Bolivia to the west coast of Peru um, to surf, my friend and I passed through, you, I mean, you have to pass through the Andes Mountains. Mm. And it's this ex- extremely dynamic climate where, you know, you can freeze to death at night just because it drops to sub-zero. And then during the day, the UV is so intense, up at 14,000 feet, that you can, you know, also burn real hard. Mm. So when I was going through the Andes Mountains, I got this alpaca sweater that this grandmother had woven, just passing through a local artisan market and didn't really think too much of it at all. I would use it as a pillow, you know, on a bus or just on the, on the beach when it got a little chilly out. And as I went, you know, up through Peru, Ecuador into Colombia, it always worked for every situation. And that's really like what was surprising about this material in and of itself. Um, but still, like not really thinking about this at all as a venture, I just loved the product. And then when I got back to the United States and I started my first year at UVA, every time I would wear the sweater out, you know, whether to the, the dining hall or out to a party or to class, people would come up to me and, uh, and literally, like, ask where I got and where they could get one, you know? And, slowly <laughs> and you're like, got to fly like, to Peru. <laughs> <laughs> slowly. I mean, I remember I finished my last final first year, freshman year, and I, had, I called my friend um, who had been on the gap year with me in South America traveling, and 
I was like, there, like, no one has touched this. Everyone wants it. And he had had a similar experience. And so I was going to spend that summer making music um, in Boston. And I ended up buying a one-way ticket to Peru, um, not knowing anyone, not really even knowing what I was trying to do other than just learn more about, mm-hmm. you know, the, the material, the Inca designs and, and patterns, um, the colors, and just, like, go back to Peru because I loved it. And that's when, you know, the the whole beginning, like the genesis point began is when I arrived and flew into the airport and, and really was like, why am I here? <laughs> and started wow. just talking to people. Yeah, that's really cool. So what was your, what, what was that education process like? Where did you go? And did you just go to the markets and start talking to weavers and, and kind of make your way into the kind of supply no chain that way? Um, it, it was, it just amazes me too how, much like how many companies exist now to connect like oh you want to make t-shirts we've got a manufacturer in china oh you want to do like and they can can connect you easily with a manufacturer for me it was like talking to these people in local markets and getting this like you know name of a woman written down on the sheet of paper and taking a bus four hours out into the mountains to then not find her and just like (laughs) all of these like all of these leads that did or didn't work out but um i think also what like because this didn't exist um it was a lot harder and made and, and pushed me a lot deeper to really f- go to the roots of like where is this alpaca wool coming from what is the meaning and significance of these designs like i would take a boat out to like for instance lake titicaca which is on the border of peru and bolivia to speak with like locals there and just learn about what those designs meant to them or go out and learn about this unbelievable red that was actually from this like uh, it's called the cochineal bug that that pops and turns into this like unreal like deep shade of red that we used on one of our early sweaters and and so it was extremely lonely for me you know not really speaking much Spanish um, not knowing anyone and those months I remember I I really, really consider just coming back home, you know, like you go on social media and you see your friends having like living the life, you know, going going to the beach in the summer or whatever. And I was down here not really like so lonely. And mm-hmm. also as part of my gap year, like there were times where I was so lonely, but I look back on them and definitely say those were the most formative experiences of my life. Yeah, you're not alone. I, I We've talked to a lot of people, and this is common in my students as well, that the loneliness aspect is one of the, I guess, least talked about aspects of gap time, but kind of most meaningful. And it's not, it's like one of those things where it's not pleasant at the time. Um, but then when you come back and you realize how much you've kind of, when, once you've run that gauntlet uh, and kind of become comfortable in your own skin with your own loneliness, it's like it be, you become so much more mature and self-aware. I know. Yeah, it's it's a really incredible journey that you take yourself, only yourself, you know. And no doubt, too, that like those that, those formative experiences on my gap time before I even went to university made me a lot more productive with the time that I had at UVA. Right. You know, like I didn't I didn't really waste much time. I, for instance, went right into working for a lab, uh, researching neuroscience in my first semester, and. That was that was an amazing experience to just like check out that early on in the undergrad career to see if I wanted to do that or not. Or mm-hmm. um, 
starting to talk to mentors and, and find people like such as entrepreneurs who had already done it in the community and look out to them um, and, and find similar minded people as opposed to just like not hating on Greek life, but like joining a more mainstream kind of community such as a fraternity that maybe I, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have created PACA had I done so. Right. And so now you're, is it four years out from that trip to Cusco now? Yeah. Yeah. I just graduated UVA in May. Yeah. So what has the past four years looked like for the building of the organization? Because you basically have Mm -hmm. gone in four summers from going to Cusco alone to now having an established brand and launching a brand new line of clothing coming this fall. So what did did that process look like? It was a lot of... uh... Friday night spent in, you know, my, my dorm room or whatever, um, compromising some, you know, some social life. But at the same time, it was, I'm, I'm so thankful that I also had that experience while in college because it really forced me to, to kind of think outside of just like the college bubble, you know, mm. and, and start finding people in, in the real world doing um, really great things and connecting with them. And so I launched the the initial website out of my, you know, dorm room and would spend Friday nights shipping these sweaters out to people who had bought them, you know, with like handwritten notes and whatnot, just like really, really engaged in the customer experience and, and just ordering, um, you know, like 100 sweaters at a time from Peru, all bootstrapping, right? Never took investment. Mm-hmm. And... There were a lot of difficulties with that, you know, like, for instance, I lost 60 sweaters to the Peruvian government at one point, which Ugh. for me at that time was like a lot. And I just because I, d- I had no idea how to create this transportation chain from Cusco, Peru in the Andes Mountains to my room in, in Charlottesville, Virginia, you know. And so <laughs> that was like a huge learning experience. But I slowly started to iron it out by speaking to other entrepreneurs who had gone to UVA. I went through this incubator program for startups that the business school, um, Darden Business School, hosted that supplied, you know, mentorship with some some amazing, you know, role models. I went to go pitch at these entrepreneurship conferences and, and found people like other students around the country doing these really, really great things. So a lot of my college experience was, yeah, between studying neuroscience, and then building PACA. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I know that the ethos of the brand is very tied into economic justice for the weavers and kind of creating a transparent chain of, of weaver to consumer. So how yeah. did, how did, how did you think about that? How did you first start thinking about that? And what does that look like in practice? It first started with literally, like I was living with the, the weavers. I mean, I would go to their house in the morning, you know, grab a, a smoothie at the local market, bring it, you know, for the kids. We'd be working on prototypes while cooking breakfast in the kitchen. Like, mm. it was just such a family kind of experience that I never really considered it as social or, like, ethical until I started to launch this business and try to communicate actually where the sweater was coming from to people that right. didn't know about it. And then it was like, wow, this can, this can really... Um, turn into something where now we're working with the Ministry of Vulnerable Populations and, um, and, and, you know, these solo abandoned sexually abused moms that have these kids and they come to us and, and we teach them how to weave for free. 
Um, we're creating an NGO right now in Peru for their kids to be taken care of while they're weaving. Um, we're, we're really onboarding a lot of women right now and just trying to always think how can we bridge this gap from Peru to someone in the United States thousands of miles away and really make it feel like this organic, modern, very modern product, but at the same time with genuine story and, and uh, connection to like the real, real important values of life. So another thing we're thinking about doing this fall is like on the bottom hem of the sweater on the flip side, like having each woman who, who makes that sweater sign it, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then you could look her up, you know, on a profile on the website or whatnot and be infinitely more connected to, to really where your clothing comes from. So I'm always trying to show that. That's great. And it's really powerful to have that kind of knowledge when, um, when you walk into like your average clothing store, it all, it's, it, it, it couldn't be less transparent. It right. says, you know, made in Indonesia or, or something like that. And you have no idea what the conditions were of the worker or how many workers it took to make a garment or something like that. So I know, yeah, it is. It's a, it's a really great way to, to ensure that your, your clothing is fair trade. And not only that, but just like having a lot more control even over the production, right? And sure. like really seeing all the steps that go into it so you can understand the manufacturing on a greater scale than just placing an order to this person or this company that you really don't know in China. And then being totally vulnerable to everything behind the product from the blend of the material to how it's made to the people. And just, you know, there's that, I think border the boundary is being broken down right now in our generation there's so much interest in just transparent retail ethical retail Um, so many amazing startups right now coming out like there's this kickstarter campaign right now that made these shoes like these waterproof shoes out of ground coffee beans Um, and they've raised more than our kickstarter i think they're at like five hundred thousand right now or something Um, and so yeah there's just so much opportunity to think innovatively about um, our future and, and what we're wearing, what we're buying, what where our dollars are being spent. Um, and tying it back to the whole gap year thing, like you can't, you couldn't spend, not that I'm like publicizing or promoting gap, gap years, but. You can, that's fine with us. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you couldn't spend your dollar on a more beneficial experience for your, your own future, you know, to be able to really, really see the roots of where things come from, how other people live in the world, um, and to, to, to make your own life just infinitely more open and, um, and, and see different routes that you never even thought of. It, like, like, for instance, fourth senior year, I was seeing a lot so many friends go to like a career fair where they bring their resume and they go to meet with these companies and they go through the classic interview to work corporate jobs. There's just so many carved pathways that, oh, you want to study this? Here's this like narrow hallway of careers that are offered. And I think we're really, really getting past that. And there's so many organizations such as yours that are connecting people to to really thinking outside of the box for what they want to do with their life and just be a lot more fulfilled with, with that choice. Yeah. Well, one thing that I wanted to end on was, you know, if 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 it, you were talking to young Chris or or a gap year student who is similarly intrepid, what kinds of advice would you give your past self or or a current student who's thinking about taking gap time and is pretty intrepid, doesn't really know what they want, but is curious? That's such a good question because 
when you don't when you don't know something exists outside of what you do know it's like how do you communicate that other than just jumping you know mm-hmm. and like i think i think it's a very courageous thing to do there i mean of course you can you can go through a very established organization to go work with animals you know in some place of the world or you know pay 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 lots of money to have something a lot more confirmed but as i would recommend to really just like follow in like follow what feels intuitively right and and take a jump and then fail fast i mean that's the mm-hmm. that's probably the best thing that you learn when you're traveling is just like just completely opening yourself up to all of the the things that were inconsistent in your life and what you want to change and and where you're at and where you want to head um and it's 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 a courageous thing to do i like i said i think taking a gap year in and of itself is a little i mean is an entrepreneurial act and i would i would just say keep like continue to fail and continue to get out there um and the discomfort uh is probably the best thing you can put yourself into. You know, it's like comfort and growth aren't friends, you mm-hmm. know? And at that time in your life, before you spend four years studying something, digging in, zooming in, I think after having spent all the time going through K through 12, a zoom out period is is so important. And that it doesn't have to be traveling to some crazy part of the world. It really just has to be ultimately looking inside and looking inside can definitely be augmented by putting yourself into a foreign environment, right? Or foreign experience mm-hmm. that yeah. you, you're not familiar with, but um, just getting out of your comfort zone, 100%. Very cool. Chris, thank yeah. you so much for being here. 100%. Thank, I mean, this is, this is so great. If, if anyone wants to reach out, um, feel free to pass along my contact information. I'm, I'm always looking to, you know, help. I mean, like, I would only want more more people to be thinking about what they want to do with their lives on a on a really like deep considerate uh level that that they're not just subscribing to some already carved out path. We'll do. And we'll we will link to Paca in the show notes and so that people can keep an eye out for the new line that's coming soon. Also, we'll be launching this um this brand ambassador program very shortly on our website to to become a part of our massive um, network of people like influencers in the United States, such as surfers, skiers, athletes, living this dynamic lifestyle similar to that, you know, crazy bipolar climate of the Andes Mountains. And um, for people who want to to chase a dream, we're actually trying to enable. Like this guy hit us up who wanted to um, go dog sledding across the Antarctic. And we're like, we're, we're so into helping people push their boundaries that this ambassador program is really going to structure be structured around that and getting motivated people um to be a part of our why and and join the movement really cool awesome well thanks again for your time chris we appreciate you being here thanks so much hey listeners just a quick heads up that the audio between Annika and I in this next interview is not great. We had some connectivity issues as we were recording and luckily Annika still comes in loud and clear. So just be a little bit patient and you will still enjoy a great interview with this inspiring entrepreneur. Thanks. Annika Funk from Banana Backpacks. Thank you so much for being here, especially all the way from Cambodia. How are you doing today? Hi, Julia. Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you? 
I'm great. So how is the weather in Cambodia? Are you in Siem Reap? Where are you right now? So I'm actually in Phnom Penh and the weather is good today. We're in rainy season at the moment, so it's always a bit unpredictable, but so far so good. The sun is out. Well, you know, actually I want to start from the beginning. I want to, I know that your origin story um, has roots in your own gap year experience. So can you tell me about your gap year and what you did and, and how you spent your time? Yeah, definitely. Gosh, it feels like so long ago already. Um, but yeah, it was really kind of a pivotal experience for me. Uh, I spent a lot of time growing up. My family lived part of the time in Indonesia and part of the time in Canada. And so um, it was kind of a natural choice that when I finished high school before I started university, I really wanted to do some more traveling on my own. So I worked for six months back in Canada and then I decided to travel in Southeast Asia for another six months. So I came over here and I actually started in India and Nepal first before coming to Southeast Asia and traveling around this area for a while. Um, I read a Forbes article about you a while ago and I remember it said in there that it was a really formative experience for you. And um, when you were, were you volunteering when you were here in Cambodia? Were you traveling? How are you like kind of moving through the country? Yeah, so my gap year was the first time I actually came to Cambodia, and that time I was just traveling through. Um, but it was somewhere that stuck with me more than any of the other countries that I went to. Um, I just, I fell in love with it here. The people were wonderful. I think it's a country with such a difficult past. When I first came to Phnom Penh, I obviously spent time going to the Genocide Museum here, and you just see this whole history of Cambodia that happened so recently. It was just in the 70s that they lost nearly a quarter of their whole population. And you look at the impact that's had on education in the country and on rebuilding and really developing. And you see people who have such resiliency, I think, and it's really quite inspiring. So I I just fell completely in love with it, not to mention it's it's just a beautiful place. You have all of the temples of Angkor Wat and... Um, beautiful beaches and these green rice fields and it's just really an incredible country. So I that was kind of the start for me and then I ended up coming back to Cambodia I guess it would have been three or four years after that and I was doing an internship for a local NGO here so I was helping them with their marketing and they worked in the area of fair trade. So I think my gap year was really a catalyst for kind of this love for a country and coming back here time and time again. And so I can kind of see the thread of like kind of planting the seed <laughs> of like the love of Cambodia, combining with the love of travel. When did you actually think like, I'm going to make a backpack? <laughs> I know it's a, it's a bit of a crazy story. So um, I guess for me, after doing my internship here, I went on to work for a while um, in consulting, and then I decided to do my master's in human rights. And for my research during that master's, I actually was studying fair trade in Cambodia. And so during that time, I, I just kept seeing time and time again the huge obstacles so many families face here to send their children to school. And although it's covered by the government, you still have all of these additional costs to do with, you know, school supplies, um, uniforms, actually getting to school is really hard for a lot of kids because the schools are far away. Um, and you also have huge economic barriers. So um, I think all of these things kept coming up through my research. And um, for me, I really do believe that education is kind of that stepping stone to 
so many other things to, you know, better understanding of gender equality to more environmental awareness. And so I, I really wanted to do something kind of related to education. And at this point in time, my brother, who's more of a creative than I am, I would say, he had been traveling in Peru and he was really frustrated with his travel backpack. He was kind of tired of, you know, having everything get super unorganized and having to dump all of the contents of his pack out every time he got to a hostel. And so he was calling me all the time saying, oh, you know, like, I'm so frustrated with this. I think I can design something better. And so he had started on the design work and then we got to chatting and I think both of us, if we ever went into business, we wanted it to be something that was more meaningful than just a product and was able to create some kind of positive impact in the world. So we kind of thought, oh yeah, education and backpacks, these are a perfect combination together. So we took our skill sets and um, kind of combined them, I guess, and that was the creation of Banana Backpacks. So you actually launched the business or the company a little bit more than a year ago, right? But how did that how did that planning process go, and what did the launch look like for you? Oh my gosh, um, I think with launching anything, it always takes longer than you would expect. So we work with really great manufacturing partners over in Vietnam, and we came over here multiple times to meet with them and work with them on prototyping. And I think in the beginning, you think, oh yeah, it'll just take. A couple of months to develop something and we'll be ready to go but it was a long process it was many months of changing things and getting feedback from different travelers on what they really wanted in a backpack and making sure that we had a product that we could really stand behind and we could be proud of and say yeah we want people to travel with this and we think it will make travel easier for them so it was a big definitely a big process to get going and i think it's the exciting thing about starting any kind of enterprise too is you get to learn so many different skill sets and really push yourself in different ways so i think um for people too who love to travel it's kind of yeah it kind of fits well i think because you love to learn new things and really push yourself out of your comfort zone that's so cool and so with you sourcing the people who are actually manufacturing these bags what did you look for, you know, when you're keeping an eye on like the fair trade aspect and like actually being on the ground and seeing these things made, like what are, what are some of the things you're thinking about there? Definitely. So I think with anyone we partner with, whether that's the NGO partner we work with or our manufacturing partners, um, we always want to make sure that they're really aligned with our values too. So we have like a, a whole checklist that we use and questions that we ask when we go into these um, these meetings with potential new partners to make sure that we're on the same page. So for factories, it's things you want to be looking at in terms of working hours, working conditions um, in these places. You can get a pretty good sense of it quickly once you're there in person. And I think that was a big thing for both Michael and I going into this, we wanted to make sure we went there ourselves and we can speak to um, the conditions that people are working in and that they're comfortable, that they're enjoying staying at their jobs for a long time. Um, so you definitely see that too in terms of uh, like how long do employees typically stay? What is the turnaround like? Um, yeah, it's quite a few quite a few different factors go into it, but I think just doing a lot of due diligence before you go in really makes that an easier process. Do you want to shout out any particularly good NGOs in Cambodia or elsewhere in Southeast Asia? 
Yeah, I definitely can. There's one in particular that comes to mind. Yeah, so Friends International is a great one. Um, they're actually an organization that we work with too. So they certified us as a child supporting business and they do fantastic work um, with youth that are at risk. And they also do a lot of really great um, campaigns against orphanage tourism and they're big players um, in Southeast Asia as a whole. One thing that's really exciting that's happening with you right now is that you're start launching a new line. And so can you tell us a little bit about that versus your, um, you know, established line of um, backpacks and what the... Yeah, definitely. So our first product line was um, a full-size travel backpack. So it's called our Kamaya Explorer Travel Set. And it's a 60-liter pack, so really great if you're going on a big gap year kind of adventure to stay organized on the road. Um, and then our next collection is a small day pack. So it's more um, versatile in terms of if you want to just do little adventures to go to a coffee shop or to yoga or go for a day hike or something like that. And you can really customize it to whatever you like. So you have different kits that you can interchange um, within the backpack. But both of our collections, I guess, are kind of held together under the brand um, itself and our social impact component. So with both of them, every backpack supports a student's education in Cambodia. Um, our first pack supports school meals for a year for a student and our new Kiri collection supports school supplies for a student for a year. And um, each of the bags have that unique name of a student written in the Khmer language of Cambodia on the backpack. So just as a little reminder for people of the impact that they're able to have on the world in a positive way when they travel. If you're listening to this today, um, you can head down to the link in the show notes, I believe, right? And you can get 15% um, off of our Kamai Explorer travel set. So if you're heading out on a gap year adventure, it might be a great fit for you. Thank you so much for being here, Annika, and good luck and with the new launch of the new backpack. Thank you so much, Julia. Take care. So now we have Cecilia Polanco of So Good Pupusas and a Gap Year alumni to chat with us about her Gap Year story and how it's relating to her current job. So welcome to the show, Cecilia. How are you? Hi, Julia. Thank you for having me. I'm doing really well. Um, I'm in my little cave at home because there's a hurricane out, but I'm really glad that I still have internet and Wi-Fi to be able to do this chat with you today. Yes, I know. I'm very glad, too. Thank you, weather gods, for <laughs> blessing us with a little bit of connectivity for this afternoon. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you had quite a gap year adventure. Can you kind of break it down for us and tell us about... Um, you know, your choice to take a gap year and the Global Gap Fellowship, as well as what you ended up doing with your time? Um, yeah, sure. So I was a senior in 2011, graduating from public schools here in Durham. I went to Northern High School. And during that time, I was just in a flurry of applying for scholarships, trying to find a way to pay for college and, and make sure that I could help lift some of that financial burden off of my parents. And I came across the Global Gap Year Fellowship um, just by chance, got an email about it because I applied early to, to Carolina. And so I, I hadn't ever heard of a gap year and 
I recall taking it to my counselors and they were like, we're not sure what that is, but, you know, <laughs> contact them, ask more. Uh, I just went ahead and applied and the application itself, I already knew I was in for something because uh, it was asking me questions that uh, was not uh, was not like the other uh, scholarship applications I was filling out. It asked me about my strengths and weaknesses and um, different characteristics I had. Um, and I remember talking about being creative or being spontaneous or just being like a risk taker. And the way it, it asked me to reflect on myself was um, was interesting. And so I ended up applying and I, I was, it was March of my senior year. All my ducks were starting to fall into a row and I was, I had gotten into Carolina. I'd found out that I was a recipient of the Moorhead Kane scholarship to UNC. So I was set to start school in the fall. Like I had no excuses and everything worked out so perfectly. Um, and then I got a call that I was being offered, uh, you know, the fellowship to take a gap year and I maybe thought about it for a second, but then I was like, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm taking a gap year and um, just let everyone know like, hey, I'm not going to college in the fall. I'm going to do this thing. And I still wasn't so super sure what it was. <laughs> everyone else was like, why are you not going to college? Um, but it, it was it kind of started um, a, started me on a path uh, of just less less traveled right of doing things differently all the time being the black sheep over and over again not going to college taking a gap year and the places i chose to go and the things i chose to do just spoke spoke to the even at that point the intentionality behind my decisions that i would eventually hone in on in college and and lead i think to being um one of the core parts of of my entrepreneur mindset and what I do now as a social entrepreneur, but traveling to, I mean, at, at 18, well, I didn't have much travel, travel experience and they, I had just unlimited opportunity. And so I, I decided to go to, um, not do what I thought was typical after learning about gap years, not go to countries that were, um, developing countries because I felt like I had a lot of ex experience and background there. I'd been to El Salvador a few times with my family, so that was something I was used to seeing. Uh, but I thought if I have a chance to see the world this young, where would I go? And I, apart from pupusas, which I, I love pupusas, I can eat pupusas every day. Um, <laughs> and probably I really do. <laughs> love, I do, and I do, and I don't even mind it. And so... I really love pizza as well. So at 18, that's kind of how I decided where to start my gap year. I decided to go to Italy and uh, spend some time in Europe and Australia, all countries that are not typical of, of where students choose to go to do a sort of volunteer service themed gap year. Um, and so while I was there, I, I did a little bit of everything. I found that as I was self-designing my gap year, I was learning about designing as well and planning and budgeting doing a lot of things um, on my own at first and um, I just sought out whatever opportunities I could find and I, I did things from 
working on an organic farm through woofing, worldwide opportunities on organic farms. That's what you did in Italy, right? Yes, in Italy and Tuscany. It was eat, pray, love. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what it was. It was so beautiful. I had, I mean, I can tell stories within stories of every encounter. My first night on the farm was really intense. Um, but I, I did a little bit of everything. I worked at soup kitchens. Um, I worked at churches with food delivery programs they had. And I just kind of, I tried to, I wandered a little bit. I wandered looking for these opportunities. And sometimes it took me to a different country. Mm. And, but uh, seemingly a lot of food related work, working yeah. on farms, working at soup kitchens, those kinds of things are all kind of in service of of food production or, or food distribution. Yes, yes, definitely. Food has always played a theme, even when I didn't recognize it. Um, yeah. And working on the farm, things like I ended up also being an au pair in Australia once it was getting too cold and um, while I was wandering around Europe. And um, even then preparing the theme of food has always been there. And the, the connections that I could make back to um, my immigrant background my my parents are immigrants to the united states and and about stereotypes i reflected on like when i called them and i told them yeah you know i'm working for free on a farm and they're they're feeding me and giving me a place to stay but and you know talking about being at soup kitchens or cooking for my host family in australia being that that was one of my main roles they're like so why didn't you go to college and now you're working on a farm and you know, you're somebody's, you know, maid and you're cooking for people. And I, I didn't I didn't intentionally put myself in those situations, or at least I didn't think I was. But upon reflecting, it um, really showed me a, of a theme of what my privileges were, uh, being that I could choose to do a lot of these jobs that were seemingly stereotypical for uh, Latinos in the United States for immigrants, but that I could also choose to not do those things and come back to the United States and start college like, you know, a regular first year and having had this experience to better prepare me for all of that. Yeah, that's really interesting. And and you also did a Knowles program in Alaska, right? Wasn't that the last thing you did on your gap time? That was one of the last things. And I thought I have been through so much and I was not prepared for Alaska. Um, I continuing on my 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 theme of kind of the path less traveled right I I decided I was going to go to Alaska because when am I ever going to get to go to Alaska and I chose sea kayaking which meant it was going to be uh, wet and cold and I hate those things. So I thought there's no pizza me... for miles. <laughs> oh no! Oh, I made, but I did do. I did make um, camp pizza one day, and it was really great. Oh, and nice. they called it Cece's Pizza. Aww. Funny, funny enough. Um, but yeah, that experience it it just showed me that no matter how much I've been through, the world can keep bringing it. So that was a great transition for me thinking I've just went on a gap year. I just did a Knowles course, like bring it college. I am ready for whatever is coming my way because I've been through it all. You really took advantage of your gap time and the fellowship in that you had 
quite a wide range of adventures, uh, ranging from kind of the outdoor expedition stuff to the woofing to the au pairing and all over the world, too. So that is such an amazing experience. So then after UNC, you transitioned to becoming an entrepreneur and you run a, a food truck called So Good Pupusas. We're, we're bringing it full circle with the pupusa talk. And mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about how what the seed was for that business idea. And we'll get to the social mission as well. But I want to hear about just kind of the basic building blocks that you had when you were thinking about why you were going to go into business um, in food and having the social justice component of it. Yeah, definitely. What started on my gap year as a reflection on what my privileges were, just my ability to move through the world with my American passport and choose what I wanted to do, where I wanted to do it, and just leave whenever I didn't want to be there anymore. I kept that going into my college experience, thinking about the privileges I had and the opportunities to not only study, but just do whatever seemed like whatever I wanted to explore as far as my education. I got to study what I loved. I ended up being a global studies major and minoring in geography. And I also got to pursue any other opportunity that seemed interesting to me. I was trained as a doula at one point, um, and I really felt like my education just provided so much and money was not a barrier. And that was not something that I was used to. Money had always been a barrier for me and for my family. And so being at Carolina and having had taken a gap year, done an old course, and now being in this in this space where I'm just surrounded by resources and opportunity, I thought, what am I going to do with all of this privilege? And since scholarships had done so much for me, being a Moorhead Kane scholar and um, being able to graduate without debt from Carolina and the fellowship that provided funds for me to take my gap year, all of that really changed my life. It, it really set me on a path that I had no idea. I had no idea how it would impact me, how it would form me, and who I was becoming. Um, and so I thought, how can I return those blessings? How can I pay this forward? And scholarships seemed like the best way since they really changed my life. And um, in reflecting more about my my privilege, I, I learned about I learned that while everyone I think faces uh, barriers and some disadvantages, we all have a combination of disadvantages and things that in which we're advantaged. And so when we reflect on that, it's not so much of a who has more or who has less. It's about who needs what type of help. And we all need some sort of help and can all use some sort of support. And so I, I really wanted a scholarship to, to start a scholarship to benefit undocumented students because that was one way in which I was privileged. And I have family member, friends, and students, my peers in school that I went to school with who are undocumented. And as much as I was fearful about applying and paying for college, it was there were still more barriers um, facing undocumented students and when i really realized that i thought you know i i i i struggled and i worked really hard to get here but there are also people who do that and also don't get the same results so it's not 
um, a system where you work hard and you accomplish what you what you set out to do, there are real barriers that even if you do everything right, it's still not possible. And the financial barriers are some of the biggest, especially for a state like North Carolina, where undocumented students are considered international students and they have to play out of state tuition. That is a whole that's a whole lot of money. And if you're not eligible for state or federal aid, then that money is coming either out of pocket or from a private fund. And that's not what's out there um, readily available for undocumented students. So I thought, okay, scholarship for undocumented students to go to college. Awesome. How are we going to pay for this? Because I don't have any money. And so (laughs) I was learning about cultural capital too. And that's when I started to think about what I had and what I was surrounded by, uh, less in terms of like traditional wealth, like money, and more about cultural capital. And that has everything to do with um, language, like being bilingual, speaking Spanish, a network of family that I have here of like aunts and uncles who helped take care of me after school while my parents were working or our food and our traditions. And it just clicked one day, we were like pupusas. Our mom's pupusas are so delicious. We need to share these with the world. I bet we could make some money. And after a few times of introducing them to folks and they were like, oh my gosh, this is so good. We were like, that's it. (laughs) So good pupusas, you know, just straight up clear for the customer to understand. And even though Pupusas are a traditional Salvadoran food, and I think in the United States, we're probably more familiar with Mexican culture and Mexican cuisine, like tacos and um, burritos and things like that. I'm like, the pupusa can can have a come up. You know, we just got introduced it to everyone. They'll love it, and they'll get to know more about our culture, and also a portion of those funds can go towards supporting students. So it's like, why can't businesses be a force for good? And why does, what you know, why do why does for profit have to be a bad word? It doesn't have to be. And so we're like, how can I build something that can not only sustain me as I work for it and build out this business that could potentially mean jobs for folks, but also do it so intentionally that we're thinking about the impact we have at every level and and from the beginning we knew that the scholarships were going to be the main the main um we knew the scholarships were going to be our main goal but we also thought about other steps along the way like being a sustainable food truck and only using compostable and recyclable materials Mm -hmm. we're like yeah we should be doing all of these things along the way too like we shouldn't wait until we have a whole ton of money to invest in how we can be better for the environment let's just build that in and so it's been slow it's been intentional and deciding to be a social entrepreneur full-time after i graduated it felt very familiar to being a senior in high school thinking about my gap year but i thought i've already been here i've already been doing things differently i didn't take a job or or go to grad school right after college I'm again taking this this path less traveled and um, I know that there's a lot of risk involved. I know that there's a lot of uncertainty, but I also really believe in either my, not, not just my, what I'm capable of, but what I'm able to learn how to do. So whatever barrier I face, 
either I got it or I will have it. And so that all, all of these lessons and reflections from my gap year impacted me years into the future, still impact me now in ways that I couldn't, I couldn't um, plan for my gap year to affect me that way. But I'm so glad that I had that experience to build on and to just teach me so much about life and the world in general, to be able to apply that in college and then after college as I became more of a quote unquote adult and, you know, adulting uh, and mm-hmm. what I wanted, what I really wanted to do with my life. Yeah, that's it's so great. And if you go to Papusa's for the number education.com, you can read all about the, the work of the scholarship and you can see profiles of the scholars and and you're also doing gap year grants through a partnership with Travel Access Project. So have you had have you guys granted um, your winner this year for that? We have started that process and we're going to release the application um, for students who are seniors this upcoming year. So 2020 class of 2020. Nice. And we're hoping to um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Travel Access um, Project and uh, they challenged me to, um, you know, th- they challenged me that if I, if they put down a grant for an undocumented student that I could put down one too. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, we can definitely do that. I think that that's something doable. And gap years, just the, the con- even the, the concept of time to do something differently, um, time to be more intentional to to explore, to reflect on our place in this big world. Undocumented students who can't go to college right away are probably on a gap year. And mm-hmm. without that language to talk about a, a gap year experience or gap years before getting to college as their their path may not be as traditional as straight from high school to college, that they can talk about that time in a way that's more formative and even you know, intentional and in how, you know, I couldn't get to college right away. But during this time, I, I built up my, my resume, I worked, I had internships to prepare myself to get where I wanted to go, even if it wasn't a straight line. And I think that that's, yeah. that's the essence and the energy behind what gap year time can do. Definitely. Well, I know that I, I'm always inspired when I hear your story and the work that you're doing. So I hope that everyone else you know, feels the same way, which it's impossible not to. But I think that one of the things I'm most excited for is that in a few weeks, I'll be seeing you in the Raleigh-Durham area and I'll get to try a pupusa finally from your truck. (laughs) Straight from the truck, straight from my mother's hands. It's going to be so delicious. I can't wait for you to try one. Cecilia, one other thing is that we usually sign off in another language. Um, So is there um, a specific kind of uh, Salvadorian goodbye that's not just adios do you is there a colloquial term that you that you all use yeah yeah we say um like we say salud um uh, salud and if you want to get real salvadoran we could say like salud mucha that's a a really salvadoran saying perfect well salud and i won't try the the more extended one because i'll just embarrass myself (laughs) (laughs) but yeah salud mucha yeah all the time (laughs) 